Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories, all before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Good morning. Uh, welcome to episode 40 of the Tomato Timer. Um, and joining me today is a good friend, Oliver Rutherford, whose whose name sounds much much longer than when I usually call him Ollie. Um, he's a co-founder of UniRise, um, which is a social enterprise that's helped over 6,000 students across the world to get into the top UK universities. Um, before that, he was part of the Teach First program, which um, got him into teaching mathematics at inner city schools in London. Um, and he's been involved with EdTech Space for, for quite a while now. So, Ollie, good to have you on. How are you? Great to be on, my brother. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling very, very good. Uh, currently yeah. joining from Dubai. Um, and yeah, how are you doing? Nice and warm. We're, we're getting murky weather today. So, so uh, I hear. So, I hear. <laughs> um, so, Ollie, the thing that probably annoyed me and, and was the worst part from my application stage in uni to uni was the personal statement. Um, really disliked it, really didn't know how to do it well. Um, and I'm sure it's it's a challenge for a lot of students out there. So you're kind of the magician behind it. Um, kind of take me through the process. Tell me the, like, the, the secrets behind writing a really, really good personal statement. Yeah, sure. And I think kind of to preface what I'm about to say, just for, um, I suppose, a tiny bit of background of why it might be a good idea to listen to me. Um, when I was a teacher, I noticed so many of my fantastic students who were very able and had good grades and super motivated, just writing terrible personal statements. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I started doing some guest lecturing at UCL, I ended up speaking to a bunch of admissions tutors. And over the last year, we've kind of spoken to over 20 admissions tutors and had them review about 300 personal statements that we've sent them. And based on all of that, I've kind of gathered a lot of data and insights about what, what the yeah. difference is between a bad and a good personal statement, but also like what's a good and an outstanding personal statement. Um, so I think what's really interesting is there is so much misinformation and um, a lack of consistency between what students think is good and, and actually what teachers think is good and what university admissions tutors, the, the people who actually decide you know, what's good or not, actually mm. think is good. Um, and there's a couple of, I suppose, key mistakes people just keep on um, kind of falling into that would be great, great to, to discuss. So I suppose the first thing is like the introductory paragraph. So many people like write a bad introduction. They start with things like, ever since I was young, I've wanted to be a doctor, or they start with a quote from, you know, Dr. Martin yeah. Luther King Jr. And they think that's great and inspirational, but actually from the perspective of the admissions tutor, it's just so boring. They've seen it 19,000 times. You know, people saying that they've been passionate about accounting since they were born, which obviously isn't <laughs> true. Like, I don't know anyone who's passionate about accounting, let alone since they were born. Um, so I think with the introduction, it's really important to, to be talking about something specific. So like a personal experience or a news article related to your subject, not a generic ramble about, you know, I'm passionate about law because it, you know, tackles the complexity of justice and morality. All of these very broad statements that sound good, like in an academic essay, are really bad for a personal statement. Yeah. Um, so like a really personal experience that is unique to you, whether it's a work experience, whether it's an article you read, whether it's a podcast you listen to, 
reflecting on why that got you inspired to study the subject and linking that to why you want to study it is, is a really powerful way to start. Um, and we've got like 300 examples of, of good introductions on the UniRise website, so people can check that out when they yeah. want. Um, I suppose the next, the next key thing is, so you've done the introduction and then it's the topic paragraphs. So typically you have like three topic paragraphs and these are the most important part. This is the most important part of the personal statement. This is where you need to convince university you're basically selling yourself to the university but in, a, in, a, in a humble way and you need to convince yourself uh, you need to convince hopefully yourself but also them that you you are actually interested in this subject and the way you do that is by um, reflection so what we see all the time and again we've had like over six thousand personal statements in the last year sent to us all the time we see students you know listing books that they've read or, or listing their A-levels or talking lots about their work experience, but they're not providing any reflection on those experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's so much better to say, like, oh, I read this book and reading this book challenged my opinions on this because of this. And therefore I ended up reading this or listening to this podcast that offered a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you saying, and then you actually providing some academic reflection on that, like really engaging in the content. Whereas what a lot of people do, they say, for my A-levels, I took maths, which taught me analytical skills, and I took, Engl I took English, which taught me how to write creatively, yeah. and I studied computer science, which taught me how to think logically, therefore I am passionate, and it's like, it's so mechanical. Or they might say, I read this, and I read this, and I did that, and I volunteer at my children's youth center, and I speak Spanish, and I've got grade five piano. Um, and actually, that's not nearly as important as you really engaging in, in fewer resources. Um, and then I suppose the next point is really showing evidence of further research into topics beyond A-level. What about 10 to 20% of students do is that they just talk about things they've studied at A-level. So let's say they're applying for you know economics, they start talking about um, supply and demand and you know, monetary policy and fiscal policy, and that's fine, but you've already done that at A-level. So everyone else has done that and everyone can talk about that. It's much better to say, oh, I studied um, monetary policy at A-level, but that got me interested in behavioral monetary policy. So I ended up reading this article by Robert Schiller, which spoke about this, that really changed my opinion on this because of this. That's the kind of reflection that, that yeah. um, is, is really important. Um, I think one more thing I'll say, because I know I'm ranting now, um, the extracurriculars is another key thing. People talk a lot about extracurriculars. Oh, Duke of Edinburgh, I've got my grade six saxophone. And again, I, <laughs> I help six-year-olds yeah. with their like English spelling. That's nice. And you should include a bit of that. But time and time again, admissions tutors tell us they don't, they would much rather someone go to Cambridge who's good at history than someone who's okay at history, but happens to be good at the flute. So too many people write a long paragraph all about their extracurriculars, whereas actually that should be quite short. It should be really, you know, three to five lines long so that most of the time is spent on why you are passionate about that subject and why, why you are the right student to be studying at that university. You know, I'm like kind of being blown away. It makes so much sense. But also like I'm thinking back at my own personal statement. I'm like, damn it. How the hell did I get into uni? Um, yeah. I made so many of those mistakes, as you just said, you know, listing all these kind of things that I did, listing my A-levels out. And it makes no sense because you, you're literally putting that in your next stage of the UCAS anyway, you know, like you don't need yeah, to Yeah, they've got that information. They've got that. They can see your A-levels. They can see your predictions. The very few words you already have in this kind of re repetition. Um, 
like yeah, my, my brain is being blown. And it, it makes so much sense now that I like step back in retrospect, think about it. It's called a personal statement. So everything is mm -hmm. about you. It's about, it, they don't care about the, 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 this, the kind of the scope and, and the, the potential of economics and changing the world. It's about you and what you see from it. And it's about, as you just kind of said time and time again, reflection It's about connecting what you read and what you did, what what kind of a, uh, experiences you've had, but how that's reflected onto you. Incredibly yeah. powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I suppose just, just on that note, it, it's interesting because you're absolutely right. It's a personal statement. And one thing I say to all students is that like, if someone else could have written that, if it's someone, if I could have Googled it, then probably you need to change it. It's got to be personal. Some mm -hmm. students take that too far and they say things like, if you are a man of God, like I am, you will know that I'm destined for greatness. And again, that kind of personal is like a little bit much. Yeah. So there, there's a balance to be struck, but absolutely it's got to be your personal reflections, not generic definitions that you can find online and, and, and things like that. It's got to be your own, your own experiences, your own personal uh, reflections. That's, that's, uh, but I think that the challenge for me uh, in particular is, 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 is getting started with it. Like uh, there's always this kind of like, there's like this whole big hole uh, to fill in. You're like, you started an empty document and you're like, all right, what's my first sentence going to be? And as you said, it, it, you know, that's why I, I guess a lot of people do. And I, I think I, I remember doing something similar of like talk my broad, um, broad statements or using a quote or something like that just to kick it off. Um, but often um, you don't need that. You, you need it to be something much more kind of grabbing and hooking about your story. What are, what are the ways that you would kind of like, help a student if, if they were just getting started yeah it's a good it's a good point and actually i should also say like my personal statement was an absolute bloody nightmare because i i didn't know i wanted to study so i applied to five different universities for five different subjects okay. so like economics and management here spanish and portuguese there spanish and italian like, and literally my personal statement was a complete nightmare i ended up actually studying like six sub those five or six subjects in one go which is a whole other story but I, I think for me, if I'd have had the guidance that now I'm able to give students, I, I would have not have felt so much anxiety during that, mm. during my year, kind of 12 and 13. Um, and and the, what you're saying is, you know, it's it's easy knowing what I'm saying, okay, you know, don't do this and don't do this. And, but it's really hard to sit down and get started. Mm -hmm. So, and, and also it's so personal. Um, there's no like one way of doing it. So what we did at UniRise, we created this thing called like an interactive statement builder. So it asks you a bunch of questions about what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you want to study at university. We ask students to take, to go online and look up certain things that kind of structured you through the whole thing. And then based on those questions, we've got kind of tables that give you sentence starters uh, to kind of scaffold the experience for you. So when you're going through the, the interactive statement builder, you have to still, it's still got to be about you. There's, you can't copy from anyone, but we've like created that structure for students um, to kind of enable them to at least get started. I think a lot of people feel, particularly now with COVID, where it's difficult to get like work experiences. Yeah. They feel very nervous. Oh, but what can I talk about? And actually it can be really basic, simple things that people don't think is interesting. It might be that you want to study computer science and maybe when you were like 12, your mom or dad bought you your first computer and you like kind of opened it up and were like, whoa, this is really interesting. Things like that are like, are really powerful or even if you don't have anything maybe like your grandparents emigrated from a certain country and you can take that story 
and relate that to why you want to study politics or international relations or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So after I ask students, they always start by saying, I don't know what to say, I've got nothing to say. And then after five minutes, I ask them a bit about their background, a bit about their family. And there's always this story that they didn't realize that they can yeah. connect to their subject and have a really personal and powerful introduction. It's a narrative. Um, sounds amazing. What, well, you've mentioned a couple of times, so let's let's talk a little bit about it. What is UniRise and how did it come about? Yeah, so UniRise is a, is a social enterprise that um, Andrew Mitson, my co-founder, and I created last year. Um, and it's essentially a, a platform that we try and enable every student, no matter what their background, with the resources um, and support they need to get into their number one choice university. Um, like the statistics are terrifyingly scary about state stu state school students versus private school students getting into yeah. university. Um, there's all sorts of like really scary stats out there. Like you're 2.9 times more likely to get into a Russell Group University if you're from a private school than a state school, even if you have the same predicted grades. Gosh. So like even with the same predicted grades, you are almost three times more likely to get in. And a lot of that is down to things like the personal statement mm -hmm. uh, and interviews and things as well. So we really wanted, and I saw that myself teaching in a school with almost 80% of students from kind of free school mill backgrounds. They had no idea what, what to write and what they were writing they thought was good. Things like, ever since I was born, I've wanted to be an accountant, but they didn't have that guidance. So what we did, we like I mentioned before, we, we ended up speaking to as many admissions tutors from as many top universities as possible. Mm -hmm. We got them to review hundreds of personal statements in detail, like on a Google Doc. And then based on all of that, we sat down and said, okay, how can we consolidate all of these insights? And rather than just like write up a, a blog or write a book, which no one will read, let's create like a really high quality online course that takes students all the way from step one, which is like, what do I even, what am I even good at? What am I even passionate about? Where, what should I study and where? So for that, we have this thing called the WTF, should I study at UniGuide, where you can click on whatever subject you want and it's got like day in the life videos of students studying that subject at different universities, articles, books, example, personal statements, like all the resources you need to figure out what you want to study. And actually, if you want to do, say, maths, should you apply for UCL or Warwick or Cambridge or Durham? And it goes through all of the nuances about how they're different and yeah. you can look at interviews with different students. And then the, the rest of it is, okay, now that you've figured out what you want to study and where, how can you actually get in? So what does the perfect introduction look like? What does the perfect topic paragraphs look like, et cetera, et cetera. And then if students want to, once they've done that, using our interactive statement builder, they can send it to our team um, and, and get it and get it reviewed by a subject specific expert. We try and get, we try and partner with schools now. So schools can actually like uh, get it for their whole year 12, year 13 cohort on behalf of students. So for that last bit, it means that students like don't have to pay. Um, so that's kind of what we work on this year, partnering with as many schools as possible to save teachers a bunch of time and to have actual experts who have spent like me hundreds of hours on this kind of thing to ensure that the students get the best quality support. Yeah. You know these these things you're you're talking about. You're, one of the challenges that I've I've realized, and I've also been working really hard with with Zeno to kind of capture is is this kind of the social capital which we're, which is kind of constructed and and kept within a very small group of people. And mm. it isn't it's so difficult because you know you can provide textbooks resources. You have the YouTube YouTube filled with so many uh, tutorials and videos that can technically support you, and you can learn anything. But what's what's often missing is this kind of 
the history, the background, the, the advice, the guidance, which comes from, you know, parents and grandparents and great grandparents have gone to university or connections on how do you get into an internship? And I'm, I'm kind of expanding more than just the personal statement aspect of it, but it's always these kind of, these connections which are, which are leaving, you know, keeping the poor poorer, and, and they're not, they're not getting out of these, these, these kind of, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say it, but class system at, at the end of the day, mm. where it's stuck in. Um, and what you're, what you're working on is incredible, um, especially the fact that your, your focus is on those students who, who really don't have that advice. You know, they don't have a parent who can review their thing for them. They don't have a, a brother or sister yeah. who's gone to university or someone who can. 100%. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because um, you're absolutely right. So, and, and actually, UniRise, and, and I'll be the first to say this, it's our real aim is in the next two years to have over 100,000 students from low-income backgrounds write personal statements that are as good, if not better, than a student from Eton or Westminster or Harrow, you know, the top private schools, yeah. which essentially will mean that the filtering mechanism of the personal statement, which is inherently flawed. Like, I've had hundreds yeah. of students, hundreds of parents offer to pay me God knows how much to write their students' personal statement for them, which I'm obviously going to do because it, it's, it's like the opposite of, of why I, I created UniRise. But that's to the point, it's so easy to get someone to just write it for you. It's so hackable. So if we can get to the point where it scales so much, where the filtering mechanism fails to filter, which is currently between rich and, and, and poor students, then actually we can replace the personal statement with a far more research-based kind of an equitable system uh, that's used by a lot of companies in terms of how they do recruitment and things like that. So that's really my aim in, in the next 24 months, almost expose the craziness of this one page being so important in in, um, in the application process, particularly during COVID, because now A-levels aren't really happening. It's yeah. all predictions. Yeah. Predictions are wrong 84% of the time. So if I'm an admissions tutor, and I know predictions, because obviously schools are going to over-predict their students, it's just how the incentive system is. If I know that almost or over four out of five of the predictions are, are over predictions. Um, then the next thing, references are also biased. Um, there's lots of research into that. There's GCSEs, but GCSEs you do when you're like 15 or 16, so people don't care that much. And then it's this personal statement, which is really, really important. Um, so I think the goal of UniRights is actually much wider to, to dismantle the personal statement. And like you said, you know, I was reading the other day, someone, um, students who are applying for ancient history, and if you read the student who maybe went to a private school and had parents who had the means to support them, it starts with, last year I went to Egypt and I visited Tutankhanu, whatever his name is, his tomb and blah, blah, blah. And then obviously the kid from the local uh, you know, comprehensive school doesn't have the opportunity to go to Egypt and then do an internship at the law firm because his mom's yeah. friends with someone. So all personal statements are is just a reflection of the pre-existing um, lack of social mobility. Um, all the more reason why with UniRise, even though it, on the surface it seems like a will help you with your personal statement, there's a much deeper mission to to radically change this uh, change the process from a systemic level. And UniRise is the first part of multiple enterprises that we're hoping to build that will focus on tackling inequality in other parts of the kind of student life cycle. Incredible! I'm I'm feeling so inspired by what you just said. It it makes so much sense to me. It's something I've seen time and time again, and I wish. There was ways to kind of mitigate against it. Um, the fact that we're still uh, with COVID, especially as you mentioned, that you know the, the the amount of 
power we're giving this personal statement to determine not just our university, but essentially our life choices, right? You know, you can, it's so easy to then look at how Russell Group universities lend to employment opportunities, lend to salary outcomes, lend to, like, it's all this kind of like a, a very precariously put together, like domino system, which keeps yeah. going higher for people who, who end up on the wrong kind of path. Um, yeah. And it's, it's scary. Uh, it's really, really scary. Uh, I guess I, I, this is kind of, we're going into the kind of the, kind of the more deeper questions. I, I love I, it. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. But um, I want to make sure that students who are listening to this can also really get away with this um, and be able to, you know, realize the challenges. You know, what we're trying to do here is is to kind of show you that this system is flawed. But what can we do while we're living in the system to to do our best and to kind of keep moving forward to kind of not just empower ourselves, but empower the communities that are surrounding us. Um, a lot of students, uh, including me, I never ended up going there, but you know, we always think about Oxbridge as, as the kind of the gold standard and we always want to go there. I think one thing that you've highlighted, which I've also looked at and think is incredibly powerful, is that the WTF guide about where, where to study and what to study. Um, often we're, we're, we're kind of like, we're thinking about these universities just by their name and end up wanting to apply to them, not realizing that you know the specific subject program that they offer may not really be suitable for us. So um, aside from, from that kind of aspect of things, when students select the wrong universities, what else can we do or what else do you advise um, for them to make sure that they, you know, they end up in the right course and studying the right thing? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And, and to be honest with you, like the, the WTF guide, it was always, it almost started as a joke because we were like, you know, WTF ourselves, should I study at university? Yeah. And then it turned out people give us like as much positive feedback about that than they do about the actual course, which was actually m most of our focus. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, I think a couple of things. So I think firstly, on a positive note, because I've, I've been a little bit negative so far talking about systemic inequality and things, um, more and more so universities, I mean, companies care less and less about what you study and where you study. This was even the case when I um, was at university and was doing internships in banks and consultancies. And I always thought you had to do economics at Cambridge or economics at LSE. And, you know, the people I was working in these banks with had done history at Birmingham and, you know, classics at University of Dundee and, you know, like subjects that you wouldn't typically associate with you know, going into like very prestigious companies like consultancies and, and things. So, and actually a statistic came out if, uh, a few months ago from The Guardian saying that 84% of employees in the UK, um, they don't care what you studied. Um, and as long as you got like a decent grade, so like a two on or above, most of them also don't care where you studied. Now there are certain institutions and certain, uh, you know, um, companies that are still a bit elitist in, in, in some ways. But it's such a small percentage, whereas like when my parents were, you know, applying to jobs, it was so much about the prestige and status of universities. Yeah. So, for example, for UniRise, we've rejected dozens of Oxbridge students um, because we didn't think they were as good as a student who actually dropped out of university, but showed to be far more resilient, far more entrepreneurial and a far better problem solver than a student who got a triple first at PPE from Oxford. So from a startup perspective myself, I don't care what you studied or where you studied. I care about how you solve problems and what you're like as a person. And I think more and more companies are starting to realize that. So that's the first part. And I think the second part is just really asking yourselves the right question um, 
about what you want to study and where. And I would recommend the WTF guide. It's not finished. It's always a work in progress. And like we're, we're always adding stuff because students get annoyed because we don't have their particular subject, but there's a lot of subjects. Um, but I think if you actually speak to students who've studied there, studied that subject, if you actually look at the materials, like um, on the WTF guide, we're going to start putting like syllabus of different courses. So when you're looking at the syllabus for maths at UCL, if it's all like geometry and you hate geometry, then maybe you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to do maths at UCL. Yeah. So like I encourage students to just be a bit more proactive. And if your subject's not on the WTF guide, then actually, you know, reaching out to students or professors, like it's so crazy how many people respond to your emails. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd really, really recommend that um, as a way to, to, um, get ahead and, and know you're making the right choice. Incredible. I think you, you're absolutely right uh, about the kind of the, the approach in the startup ecosystem. We, you know, university degrees are, you know, as long as you can show that resilient entrepreneurial spirit, you can show the fact that you're going to get down and learn. Because um, that's at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to get a, a syllabus for your job. You're going to get into it. You know, you're going to learn on the spot. So you need to prove that you're able to do those those things. Um, exactly makes a lot of sense. I mean, all a, all the job is, is just solving problems. Like whether you're a hairdresser, whether you're a banker, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a consultant, it's just like solving problems. So that's all people really care about. Yeah. Now, Oli, we're coming to the end of the episode and I, I can't believe it's gone so quickly. I feel like we just started. I know. But I, I really want to kind of like take your, your final words. Um, you know, you come from this background of, you know, you went to uni not knowing exactly what you wanted to do. You came out... Um, you, you had a brief stint in the finance, you know, market, as it were. You went into teaching. You taught at some really, really difficult schools. You came out, got into edtech, launched a social enterprise. So you've you've, you've done a lot um, at a very tender age, if I were if I were to say so myself. Um, what would you kind of advise these kind of students who are going through these tough times of pandemic? They're they're at home. They're not able to get out. They're not able to socialize. They have to prove themselves using just predicted grades. What can we do? What What are the ways um, we can show off ourselves, either through the personal statement or the way we apply to university or, you know, all these things that you've been talking about? Yeah. And, and I think this is a, a much wider topic. And I'm, I'm going to start blogging just about this literally from next week. So feel okay. free for people to follow me on LinkedIn or whatever to, to keep up with that. Um, I had a workshop um, on Friday with, with 200 students talking about the personal statement. And I was talking about, I was answering this exact question. And what was really great, just to kind of show with an example, one student was applying, wants to apply for, um, uh, what's it called, cybersecurity. And I was talking about taking the initiative, reaching out to people and asking if you can work with them for free just for a few weeks so you can show that you're proactive and show that you've got hands-on experience mm -hmm. using things like LinkedIn and, and building a personal brand. And then he said to me, Ollie, what's the cybersecurity like at Unirise? And I was like, I have no idea. He was like, well, can I help you with it for a day? And I was like, sure. But again, that is an opportunity for his yeah. personal statement now. He can then say, I helped a social enterprise or startup uh, you know, radically improve their cybersecurity. Um, and that's just like one example of taking the initiative and actually going that next step and, and not being scared to reach out with people to people. I'd encourage everyone to get LinkedIn um, because there are so many people out there that you can connect with and, and collaborate with. It will just really help you distinguish yourself from everyone else who's read the same books and who's studying the same things at university. That's one of like a hundred things, but I think we'll keep it to one given, given the times. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Oli. I'm like bursting with excitement and energy now. Yeah, uh, it's great to chat to you, man. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Have a great day and hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay. Cheers.
And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.